Tonight, as they were eating their stew with black beans, Miss Treason said, "'The wind is rising. We must go soon. I would not trust a stick above the trees in a night like this. There may be strange creatures about.' "'Go? We're going out?' Tiffany asked. They never went out in the evenings, which was why the evenings always felt a hundred years long. "'Indeed we are. They will be dancing tonight.' "'Who will?' The ravens will not be able to see, and the owl will get confused, Miss Treason went on. I will need to use your eyes. Who will be dancing, Miss Treason? said Tiffany. She liked dancing, but no one seemed to dance up here. It is not far, but there will be a storm. So that was that. Miss Treason wasn't going to tell. But it sounded interesting. Besides, it would probably be an education to see anyone Miss Treason thought was strange. Of course, it did mean Miss Treason would put her pointy hat on. Tiffany hated this bit. She'd have to stand in front of Miss Treason and stare at her, and feel the little tingle in her eyes as the ancient witch used her as a kind of mirror. The wind was roaring in the woods like a big dark animal by the time they'd finished supper. It barged the door out of Tiffany's hands when she opened it, and blew around the room, making the cords hum on the loom. Are you sure about this, Miss Treason? she said, trying to push the door shut. Don't you say that to me. You will not say that to me. The dance must be witnessed. I have never missed the dance. Miss Treason looked nervous and edgy. We must go, and you must wear black. Miss Treason, you know I don't wear black, said Tiffany. Tonight is a night for black. You will wear my second best cloak. She said it with a witch's firmness, as if the idea of anyone disobeying had never crossed her mind. She was a hundred and thirteen years old. She'd had a lot of practice. Tiffany didn't argue. It isn't that I have anything against black, Tiffany thought as she fetched the second best cloak, but it's just not me. When people say witches wear black, they actually mean that old ladies wear black. Anyway, it's not as if I'm wearing pink or something. After that, she had to wrap Miss Treason's clock in pieces of blanket, so that the clonk-clank became clonk-clank. There was no question of leaving it behind. Miss Treason always kept the clock close to her. While Tiffany got herself ready, the old woman wound the clock up with a horrible graunching noise. She was always winding it up. Sometimes she stopped to do it in the middle of a judgment, with a room full of horrified people. There was no rain yet, but when they set out the air was full of twigs and flying leaves. Miss Treason sat side-saddle on the broom, hanging on for dear life, while Tiffany walked along towing it by means of a piece of clothesline. The sunset sky was still red, and a gibbous moon was high but the clouds were being whipped across it, filling the woods with moving shadows. Branches knocked together, and Tiffany heard the creak and crash as somewhere in the dark one fell to the ground. Are we going to the villages? Tiffany yelled above the din. No, take the path through the forest, shouted Miss Treason. Ah, thought Tiffany. Is this the famous dancing around without your drawers on that I've heard so much about? Actually, not very much about, because as soon as anyone mentions it, someone else tells them to shut up so I really haven't heard much about it at all, but I haven't heard in a very meaningful way. It was something people thought witches did, but witches didn't think they did it. Tiffany had to admit she could see why. Even hot summer nights weren't all that warm, and there were always hedgehogs and thistles to worry about. Besides, you just couldn't imagine someone like Granny Weatherwax dancing around without... Well, you just couldn't imagine it, because if you did, it would make your head explode. The wind died down as she took the forest track, still towing the floating Miss Treason, but the wind had brought cold air with it and then left it behind. 
Tiffany was glad of the cloak, even if it was black. She trudged on, taking different tracks when Miss Treason told her to, until she saw firelight through the trees in a little dip in the land. Stop here and help me down, girl, said the old witch, and listen carefully, there are rules. One, you will not talk. Two, you will look only at the dancers. Three, you will not move until the dance is finished. I will not tell you twice. Yes, Miss Treason, it's very cold up here, and we'll get colder. They headed for the distant light. What good is a dance you can only watch, Tiffany wondered. It didn't sound like much fun. It isn't meant to be fun, said Miss Treason. Shadows moved across the firelight, and Tiffany heard the sound of men's voices. Then, as they reached the edge of the sunken ground, someone threw water over the fire. There was a hiss, and a cloud of smoke and steam rose among the trees. It happened in a moment and left a shock behind. The only thing that had seemed alive here had died. Dry, fallen leaves crunched under her feet. The moon, in a sky swept clean now of clouds, made little silver shapes on the forest floor. It was some time before Tiffany realised that there were six men standing in the middle of the clearing. They must have been wearing black. Against the moonlight they looked like man-shaped holes into nothing. They were in two lines of three, facing each other, but were so still that after a while Tiffany wondered if she was imagining them. There was the thud of a drumbeat. Bomb. 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 It went on for half a minute or so and then stopped. But in the silence of the cold woods the beat went on inside Tiffany's head. And perhaps that wasn't the only head it thundered in, because the men were gently nodding their heads to keep the beat. They began to dance. The only noise was of their boots hitting the ground as the shadow men wove in and out. But then Tiffany, her head full of the silent drum, heard another sound. Her foot was tapping all by itself. She'd heard this beat before. She'd seen men dancing like this. But it had been on warm days in bright sunshine. They'd worn little bells on their clothes. This is a Morris dance, she said, not quite under her breath. Shush, hissed Miss Treason. But this isn't the right... Be silent! Blushing and angry in the dark, Tiffany took her eyes off the dancers and defiantly looked around the clearing. There were other shadows crowding in, human, or at least human-shaped, but she couldn't see them clearly and maybe that was just as well. It was getting colder, she was sure. White frost was crackling across the leaves. The beat went on, but it seemed to Tiffany that it wasn't alone now, but had picked up other beats and echoes from inside her head. Miss Treason could shush all she liked. It was a Morris dance, but it was out of time. The Morris men came to the village sometime in May. You could never be sure when, because they had to call at lots of villages along the chalk, and every village had a pub, which slowed them down. They carried sticks and wore white clothes with bells on them to stop them from creeping up on people. No one likes an unexpected Morris dancer. Tiffany would wait outside the village with the other children and dance behind them all the way in. Then they used to dance on the village green, to the beat of a drum, banging their sticks together in the air, and then everyone would go to the pub and summer would come. Tiffany hadn't been able to work out how that last bit happened. The dancers danced, and then summer came. That was all anybody seemed to know. Her father said that there had once been a year when the dancers hadn't turned up, and a cold, wet spring had turned into a chilly autumn, with the months between being filled with mists and rain and frosts in August. The sound of the drums filled her head now, making her feel dizzy. They were wrong. There was something wrong. And then she remembered the seventh dancer, 
the one they called the Fool. He was generally a small man, wearing a battered top hat and bright rags sewn all over his clothes. Mostly he wandered around, holding out the hat and grinning at people until they gave him money for beer. But sometimes he'd put the hat down and whirl off into the dancers. You'd expect there to be a massive collision of arms and legs, but it never happened. Jumping and twirling among the sweating men, he always managed to be where the other dancers weren't. The world was moving around her. She blinked. The drums in her head were like thunder now, and there was one beat as deep as oceans. Miss Treason was forgotten. So was the strange, mysterious crowd. Now there was only the dance itself. It twisted in the air like a living thing, but there was a space in it, moving around. It was where she should be, she knew it. Miss Treason had said no, but that had been a long time ago, and how could Miss Treason understand? What could she know? When did she last dance? The dance was in Tiffany's bones now, calling to her. Six dancers were not enough. She ran forward and jumped into the dance. The eyes of the dancing men glared at her as she skipped and danced between them, always being where they weren't. The drums had her feet, and they went where the beat sent them. And then there was someone else there. It was like the feeling of someone behind her, but it was also the feeling of someone in front of her, and beside her, and above her, and below her all at once. The dancers froze, but the world spun. The men were just black shadows, darker outlines in the darkness. The drum beats stopped, and there was one long moment as Tiffany turned gently and silently, arms out, feet not touching the ground, her face turned toward stars that were as cold as ice and sharp as needles. It felt wonderful. A voice said, Who are you? It had an echo, or perhaps two people had said it at almost the same time. The beat came back suddenly, and six men crashed into her. A few hours later, in the small town of Dogbend, down on the plains, the citizens threw a witch into the river with her arms and legs tied together. This sort of thing never happened in the mountains, where witches had respect, but down on the wide plains there were still people dumb enough to believe the nastier stories. Besides, there wasn't much to do in the evenings. However, it probably wasn't often that the witch was given a cup of tea and some biscuits before her ducking. It had happened here because the people of Dogbend did it by the book. The book was called Magavenatio Obtusis, a uh, witch hunting for dumb people. The townspeople didn't know how the book had arrived. It had just turned up one day on a shelf in one of the shops. They knew how to read, of course. You had to have a certain amount of reading and writing to get on in the world, even in Dogbend. But they didn't trust books much, or the kind of people who read them. This one, though, was a book on how to deal with witches. It looked pretty authoritative, too, without too many long, and therefore untrustworthy, words like marmalade. At last, they told one another, this is what we need. This is a sensible book. Okay, it isn't what you'd expect, but remember that witch last year? We ducked her in the river and then tried to burn her alive, only she was too soggy and got away. Let's not go through that again. They paid particular attention to this bit. It is very important, having caught your witch, not to harm her in any way. Yet. On no account set fire to her. This is an error beginners often fall into. It just makes the witch mad, and she comes back even stronger. As everyone knows, the other way to get rid of a witch is to throw her into a river or pond. This is the best plan. First, 
imprison her overnight in a moderately warm room and give her as much soup as she asks for. Carrot and lentil might do, but for best results we recommend leek and potato made with a good beef stock. This has been proven to seriously harm her magical powers. Do not give her tomato soup, it will make her very powerful. To be on the safe side, put a silver coin in each of her boots. She will not be able to pull the coins out because they will burn her fingers. Provide her with warm blankets and a pillow. This will trick her into going to sleep. Lock the door and see that no one enters. About one hour before dawn, go into the room. Now you might think the way to do this would be to rush in shouting. Nothing could be further from the truth. Tiptoe in gently, leave a cup of tea by the sleeping witch, tiptoe back to the doorway and cough quietly. This is important. If awakened suddenly, she could get very nasty indeed. Some authorities recommend chocolate biscuits with the tea. Others say that ginger biscuits will be enough. If you value your life, do not give her plain biscuits because sparks will fly out of her ears. When she awakes, recite this powerful mystic rune which will stop her from turning into a swarm of bees and flying away. Iti sapitii amanas. When she has finished the tea and biscuits, tie her hands and feet in front of her with rope using number one bosun's knots and throw her in the water. Important safety note. Do this before it starts getting light. Do not stay to watch. Of course, this time some people did, and what they saw was the witch sinking and not coming up again, while her wicked pointy hat floated away. Then they went home for breakfast. In this particular river, nothing much happened for several minutes more. Then the pointy hat started to move toward a thick patch of reeds. It stopped there and rose very slowly. A pair of eyes peered out from underneath the brim. When she was sure that there was no one about, Miss Perspicacia Tick, teacher and witchfinder, crawled up the bank on her stomach and then legged it away at high speed into the woods just as the sun came up. She'd left a bag with a clean dress and some fresh underwear stuck in a badger's set, along with a box of matches. She never carried matches in her pocket if there was a danger of being caught, in case it gave people ideas. Well, she thought, as she dried out in front of a fire. Things could have been worse. Thank goodness the village still had someone left who could read, or else she would have been in a pretty pickle. Maybe it was a good idea that she'd had the book printed in big letters. It was, in fact, Miss Tick who had written Witch Hunting for Dumb People, and she made sure that copies of it found their way into those areas where people still believed that witches should be burned or drowned. Since the only witch ever likely to pass through these days was Miss Tick herself, it meant that if things did go wrong, she'd get a good night's sleep and a decent meal before being thrown into the water. The water was no problem at all to Miss Tick, who had been to the Querm College for Young Ladies, where you had to have an icy dip every morning to build moral fibre. And a number one bosun's knot was very easy to undo with your teeth, even underwater. Oh yes, she thought as she emptied her boots, and she'd got two silver sixpences too. Really, the people of the village of Dogbend were getting very stupid indeed. Of course, that's what happened when you got rid of your witches. A witch was just someone who knew a bit more than you did. That's what the name meant. And some people didn't like anyone who knew more than they did, so these days the wandering teachers and the travelling librarians steered clear of the place. The way things were going, if the people of Dogbend wanted to throw stones at anyone who knew more than them, they'd soon have to throw them at the pigs. The place was a mess. 
Unfortunately, there was a girl aged eight there who was definitely showing promise, and Miss Tick dropped in sometimes to keep an eye on her. Not as a witch, obviously, because although she liked a cold dip in the morning, you could have too much of a good thing. She disguised herself as a humble apple-seller or a fortune-teller. Witches don't usually do fortune-telling because if they did, they'd be too good at it. People don't want to know what's really going to happen, only that it's going to be nice. But witches don't add sugar. Unfortunately, the spring on Miss Tick's stealth hat had gone wrong while she was walking down the main street, and the point had popped up. Even Miss Tick hadn't been able to talk her way out of that one. Oh well, she'd have to make other arrangements now. Witch-finding was always dangerous. You had to do it, though. A witch growing up all alone was a sad and dangerous child. She stopped and stared at the fire. Why had she just thought about Tiffany aching? Why now? Working quickly, she emptied her pockets and started a shamble. Shambles worked. That was about all you could say about them for certain. You made them out of some string and a couple of sticks and anything you had in your pocket at the time. They were a witch's equivalent of those knives with fifteen blades and three screwdrivers and a tiny magnifying glass and a thing for extracting earwax from chickens. You couldn't even say precisely what they did, although Miss Tick thought that they were a way of finding out what things the hidden bits of your own mind somehow knew. You had to make a shamble from scratch every time and only from things in your pockets. There was no harm in having interesting things in your pockets, though, just in case. After less than a minute, Miss Tick had crafted a shamble out of one twelve-inch ruler, one boot lace, one piece of second-hand string, some black thread, one pencil, one pencil sharpener, a small stone with a hole in it, a matchbox containing a mealworm called Roger, along with a scrap of bread for him to eat, because every shamble must contain something living. About half a packet of Mrs. Sheargold's lubricated throat lozenges, a button. It looked like a cat's cradle, or maybe the tangled strings of a very strange puppet. Miss Tick stared at it, waiting for it to read her. Then the ruler swung around, the throat sweets exploded in a little cloud of red dust, the pencil shot away and stuck in Miss Tick's hat, and the ruler was covered in frost. That was not supposed to happen. Miss Treason sat downstairs in her cottage and watched Tiffany sleeping in the low bedroom above her. She did this through a mouse, which was sitting on the tarnished brass bedstead. Beyond the grey windows, Miss Treason hadn't bothered to clean them for fifty-three years, and Tiffany hadn't been able to shift all the dirt. The wind howled among the trees, even though it was mid-afternoon. He's looking for her, she thought, as she fed a piece of ancient cheese to another mouse on her lap. But he won't find her. She is safe here. Then the mouse looked up from the cheese. It had heard something. I told you, she's here somewhere, fellas. I do not see why we cannot just talk to the old hag. We get along fine with hags. Maybe, but this one is a terrible piece of work. They say she's got a fearsome demon in her tatty cellar. Miss Treason looked puzzled. Them, she whispered to herself. The voices were coming from beneath the floor. She sent the mouse scurrying across the boards and into a hole. I do not want to disappoint you, but we's in a cellar right here and it's full of tatties. After a while, a voice said, So where is it? Maybe it's got the day off. What's a demon need a day off for? To gay and see its old mam and dad, maybe. No, oh, why? Demons have mams, do they? Criffins, will you not stop arguing? She might hear us. Nay, she's as blind as a bat and deaf as a post, they say. Mice have very good hearing. Miss Treason smiled 
as the hurrying mouse came out in the rough old stone wall of the cellar near the floor. She looked through its eyes. It could see quite well in the gloom, too. A small group of little men was creeping across the floor. Their skins were blue and covered with tattoos and dirt. They all wore very grubby kilts, and each one had a sword as big as he was, strapped to his back. And they all had red hair, a real orange red, with scruffy pigtails. One of them wore a rabbit skull as a helmet. It would have been more scary if it hadn't kept sliding over his eyes. In the room above, Miss Treason smiled again. So they'd heard of Miss Treason. But they hadn't heard enough. As the four little men squirmed through an old rat hole to get out of the cellar, they were watched by two more mice, three different beetles and a moth. They tiptoed carefully across the floor, past an old witch who was clearly asleep, right up until she banged on the arms of her chair and bellowed, Jings, I see you there, you wee skimmies! The feagles reacted in instant panic, colliding with one another in shock and awe. I dinna remember telling ye to move, shouted Miss Treason, grinning horribly. Oh, waily, 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 she's got the knowing of the speaking, someone sobbed. Ye knackback feagles, right, but I dinna ken the clan markings. Come, doon, I ain't gonna deep-fry ye. You, what's your name? I'm Rob Anybody, big man of the Chalk Hill clan, said the one with the rabbit skull helmet, and... Aye, big man, are ye? Then ye'll do me the courtesy and tack off yon bony bonnet ere ye speak to me, said Miss Treason, enjoying herself no end. And stand it up straight. I'll have nae slouching in this hoose. Instantly all four feagles stood to rigid attention. Right, said Miss Treason. And who are the rest of yous? This is my brother Daft Willie, miss, said Rob Anybody, shaking the shoulder of the feagle who was an instant whaler. He was staring in horror at Enochi and Athutita. And the other two of you, I mean twa of you, said Miss Treason. You there, I mean ye, you have the mouse pipes. Are you a gonagal? Aye, mistress, said a feagle who looked neater and cleaner than the others, although it had to be said that there were things living under old logs that were cleaner and neater than daft woolly. And your name is? Awfully wee Billy Big Chin, mistress. You're staring hard at me, awfully wee Billy Big Chin said Miss Treason. Are you afraid? No, mistress, I was admiring you. It does my heart good to see a witch so witchy. It does, does it? said Miss Treason suspiciously. Are you sure you're no afraid of me, Mr. Billy Bigchin? No, mistress, but I will be if it makes you happy, said Billy carefully. Ha! said Miss Treason. Well, I see we have, hi, a clever one here. Who is your big friend, Mr. Billy? Billy elbowed Big Yan in the ribs. Despite his size, which for a feagle was huge, he was looking very nervous. Like a lot of people with big muscles, he got edgy about people who were strong in other ways. He's Big Yan, mistress, Billy Bigchin supplied, while Big Yan stared at his feet. I see he's got a necklace of big teeth, said Miss Treason. Human teeth. Hi, mistress. Four, mistress. One for every man he's knocked out. Are you talking about human men? asked Miss Treason in astonishment. Hi, mistress, said Billy. Mostly, he drops on them heat first to a tree. He has a very tough heed, he added, in case this wasn't clear. Miss Treason sat back. And now you will kindly explain why you are creeping about here in my hoose, she said. Come along now. There was a tiny, tiny pause before Rob anybody said happily, Oh, well, that's easy. We was hunting the haggis. No, you weren't, said Miss Treason sharply. Because a haggis is a pudding of sheep's offal and meat, well spiced and cooked in a sheep's stomach.
Ah, that is only when you canna find the real thing, mistress, said Rob anybody carefully. Tis no a patch on the real thing. Oh, a canny beast is the haggis, which makes its burrows in tatty cellars, and, and that's the truth. You're hunting the haggis. Is it, Daftwally? said Miss Treason, her voice suddenly sharp. All eyes, including a pair belonging to an earwig, turned to the luckless Willie. Uh, I, oh, uh, oh, Willy, 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 moaned Daft Willie and dropped to his knees. Please don't do something horrible to me, mistress, he begged. Yon earwiggy is giving me a dreadful look. Very well, we shall start again, said Miss Treason. She reached up and tore off her blindfold. The feagles stepped back as she touched the skulls on either side of her. I do not need eyes to smell a lie when it comes calling, she said. Tell me why you are here. Tell me again. Rob anybody hesitated for a moment. This was, in the circumstances, very brave of him. Then he said, "'Tis aboot the big wee hag, mistress, we came. The big wee—oh, you mean Tiffany? Aye. We is under one of them big birds, said Daft Woolly, keeping his eyes averted from the witch's blind stare. He means a geese, mistress, said Rob Anybody, glaring at his brother. It's like a—a a tremendous obligation that you cannot disobey, said Miss Treason. I ken what a geese is, but why? Miss Treason had heard a lot of things in one hundred and thirteen years, but now she listened in astonishment to a story about a human girl who had, for a few days at least, been the kelder of a clan of Nack Mac Feagles. And if you were their kelder, even for a few days, they'd watch over you forever. And she's the hag of our hills, said Billy Bigchin. She cares for them, keeps them safe, but... He hesitated, and Rob anybody continued. Our kelder is having dreams, dreams of the future, dreams of the hills all froze and everyone deed, and the big wee hag wearing a crown of ice. My goodness! Aye, and there was more, said Billy, throwing out his arms. She saw a green tree growing in a land of ice. She saw a ring of iron. She saw a man with a nail in his heart. She saw a plague of chickens and a cheese that walks like a man. There was silence, and then Miss Treason said, The first two, the tree and the ring, no problem there, good occult symbolism. The nail, too, very metaphorical. I'm a bit doubtful about the cheese. Could she mean Horace? And the chickens? I'm not sure you can have a plague of chickens, can you? Jeanie was very firm about them, said Rob anybody. She's dreamed many strange and worrying things, so we thought we might just see how the big wee hag was getting along. Miss Treason's various eyes stared at him. Rob anybody stared back with an expression of ferocious honesty and did not flinch. This seems an honourable enterprise, she said. Why start by lying? Oh, the lie was going to be a lot more interesting, said Rob anybody. The truth of the matter seems quite interesting to me, said Miss Treason. Maybe, but I was planning on putting in giants and pirates and magic weasels, Rob declared. Real value for the money. Oh, well, said Miss Treason. When Miss Tick brought Tiffany to me, she did say she was guarded by strange powers. Aye, said Rob anybody proudly. That'd be us right enough. But Miss Tick is a rather bossy woman, said Miss Treason. I'm sorry to say I didn't listen much to what she said. She is always telling me that these girls are really keen to learn, but mostly they're just flippity-gibbets who want to be a witch to impress the young men, and they run away after a few days. This one doesn't. Oh, no, she runs toward things. Did you know she tried to dance with the wintersmith? Aye, we can. We were there, 
said Rob anybody. You were? Aye, we followed yous. No one saw you there. I would have known if they did, Miss Treason said. Aye, we'll we're good at no one seeing us, said Rob anybody, smiling. It's amazing, the people who dinna see us. She actually tried to dance with the wintersmith, Miss Treason repeated. I told her not to. Ach, people are always telling us not to do things, said Rob anybody. That's how we can what's the most interesting things to do. Miss Treason stared at him with the eyes of one mouse, two ravens, several moths, and an earwig. Indeed, she said, and sighed. Yes, the trouble with being this old, you know, is that being young is so far away from me now that it seems sometimes that it happened to someone else. A long life is not what it's cracked up to be, that is a fact. It's... That wintersmith is seeking for the wig we hag, mistress, said Rob anybody. We saw her dancing with the wintersmith. Now he is seeking her. We can hear him in the howl of the wind. I know, said Miss Treason. She stopped and listened for a moment. The wind has dropped, she stated. He's found her. She snatched up her walking sticks and scuttled toward the stairs, going up them with amazing speed. Feagles swarmed past her into the bedroom, where Tiffany lay on a narrow bed. A candle burned in a saucer at each corner of the room. But how has he found her? Miss Treason demanded. I had her hidden. You, blue men, fetch wood now. She glared at them. I said fetch. She heard a couple of thumps. Dust was settling. The feagles were watching Miss Treason expectantly. And sticks, a lot of sticks, were piled in the tiny bedroom fireplace. You did well, she said. And not tea soon. Snowflakes were drifting down the chimney. Miss Treason crossed her walking sticks in front of her and stamped her foot hard. Wood burn, fire blaze, she shouted. The wood in the grate burst into flame. But now frost was forming on the window, ferny white tendrils snapping across the glass with a crackling sound. I am not putting up with this at my age, said the witch. Tiffany opened her eyes and said, What's happening? Secret of Boffo. It is not good being in a sandwich of bewildered dancers. They were heavy men. Tiffany was aching all over. She was covered in bruises, including one the shape of a boot that she wasn't going to show to anyone. Feagles filled every flat surface in Miss Treason's weaving room. She was working at her loom with her back to the room because, she said, this helped her think. But since she was Miss Treason, her position didn't matter much. There were plenty of eyes and ears she could use after all. The fire burned hot, and there were candles everywhere, black ones, of course. Tiffany was angry. Miss Treason hadn't shouted, hadn't even raised her voice. She'd just sighed and said, Foolish child, which was a whole lot worse, mostly because that's just what Tiffany knew she'd been. One of the dancers had helped bring her back to the cottage. She couldn't remember anything about that at all. A witch didn't do things because they seemed a good idea at the time. That was practically cackling. You had to deal every day with people who were foolish and lazy and untruthful and downright unpleasant. 
and you could certainly end up thinking that the world would be considerably improved if you gave them a slap. But you didn't, because, as Miss Tick had once explained, A. It would make the world a better place for only a very short time, B. It would then make the world a slightly worse place, and C. You're not supposed to be as stupid as they are. Her feet had moved, and she'd listened to them. She ought to have been listening to her head. Now she had to sit by Miss Treason's fire with a tin hot water bottle on her lap and a shawl around her. So the wintersmith is a kind of god, she said. That kind of thing, yes, said Billy Bigchin. But not the praying to kind of god. He just makes winters. It's his job, you can. He's an elemental, said Miss Treason from her loom. Aye, said Rob anybody. Gods, elementals, demons, spirits. Sometimes it's hard to tell them apart where you to map. And the dance is to welcome winter, said Tiffany. That doesn't make sense. The Morris dance is to welcome the coming of the summer. Yes, that's... Are you an infant, said Miss Treason. The year is round. The wheel of the world must spin. That is why up here they dance the dark, Morris, to balance it. They welcome the winter because of the new summer deep inside it. Click, clack, went the loom. Miss Treason was weaving a new cloth of brown wool. Well, all right, said Tiffany. We welcomed it. Him. That doesn't mean he's supposed to come looking for me. Why did you join the dance? Miss Treason demanded. Um, there was a space and... Yes, a space. A space not intended for you. Not for you, foolish child. You danced with him. And now he wants to meet such a bold girl. I have never heard of such a thing. I want you to fetch the third book from the right on the second shelf from the top of my bookcase. She handed Tiffany a heavy black key. Can you manage to do even that? Witches didn't need to slap the stupid, not when they had a sharp tongue that was always ready. Miss Treason also had several shelves of books, which was unusual for one of the older witches. The shelves were high up, the books looked big and heavy, and up until now Miss Treason had forbidden Tiffany to dust them, let alone unlock the big black iron band that secured them to the shelves. People who came here always gave them a nervous look, Books were dangerous. Tiffany unlocked the bands and wiped away the dust. Ah! The books were, like Miss Treason, not everything they seemed. They looked like magic books, but they had names like an encyclopedia of soup. There was a dictionary. Next to it, the book Miss Treason had asked for was covered in cobwebs. Still blushing with shame and anger, Tiffany got the book down, fighting to get it free of the webs. Some of them went pling as they snapped, and dust fell off the top of the pages. When she opened it, it smelled old and parchmenty, like Miss Treason. The title, in gold lettering that had almost rubbed away, was Chaffinch's Ancient and Classical Mythology. It was full of bookmarks. Pages 18 and 19, said Miss Treason, her head not moving. Tiffany turned to them. The Dacne of the Sneesos, she said. Is that supposed to be the dance of the seasons? Regrettably, the artist, Don Weisender Yo-Yo, whose famous masterpiece that was, did not have the same talent with letters as he had with painting, said Miss Treason. They wooded him for some reason. I notice you mentioned the words before the pictures. You are a bookish child. The picture was strange. It showed two figures. Tiffany hadn't seen masquerade costumes. There wasn't the money at home for that sort of thing, but she'd read about them, and this was pretty much what she'd imagined. The page showed a man and a woman. 
or at least things that looked like a man and a woman. The woman was labelled Summer and was tall and blonde and beautiful, and therefore to the short, brown-haired Tiffany was a figure of immediate distrust. She was carrying what looked like a big basket shaped like a shell which was full of fruit. The man, Winter, was old and bent and grey. Icicles glittered on his beard. Ach, that's what the wintersmith would look like, sure enough, said Rob Anybody, strolling across the page. All frosty. Him, said Tiffany. That's the wintersmith. He looks a hundred years old. A youngster, eh? said Miss Treason nastily. Dinna let him kiss ye, or your nose might turn blue and fall off, said Daft Woolly cheerfully. Daft Woolly, don't you dare say things like that, said Tiffany. I was just trying to lighten the mood ye ken, said Woolly, looking sheepish. That's an artist's impression, of course, said Miss Treason. What does that mean? said Tiffany, staring at the picture. It was wrong. She knew it. This wasn't what he was like at all. It means he made it up, said Billy Bigchin. He wouldn't have seen him new, would he? No one's seen the wintersmith. Yet, said Daft Woolly. Woolly, said Rob Anybody, turning to his brother. Ye ken I told ye about making tactful remarks. Aye, Rob, I ken weel, said Woolly obediently. What you just said was not one of them, said Rob. Woolly hung his head. Sorry, Rob. Tiffany clenched her fists. I didn't mean all this to happen. Miss Treason turned her chair with some solemnity. Then what did you mean? Will you tell me? Did you dance out of youth's inclination to disobey old age? To mean is to think. Did you think at all? Others have joined in the dance before now. Children, drunkards, youths for the silly bet. Nothing happened. The spring and autumn dances are just an old tradition, most people would say. Just a way of marking when ice and fire exchange their dominion over the world. Some of us think we know better. We think something happens. For you, the dance became real, and something has happened. And now, the wintersmith is seeking you. Why? Tiffany managed. I don't know. When you were dancing, did you see anything, hear anything? How could you describe the feeling of being everywhere and everything? Tiffany wondered. She didn't try. I thought I heard a voice, or... Or maybe two voices, she mumbled. Um, they asked me who I was. Interesting, said Miss Treason. Two voices. I will consider the implications. What I can't understand is how he found you. I will think about that. In the meantime, I expect it would be a good idea to wear warm clothing. Aye, said Rob anybody. The wintersmith cannot abide the heat. Oh, I'll be forgetting me in head next. We brought a wee letter from that hollow tree down in the forest. Gee it the big wee hag, Woolly. We picked it up on the way past. A letter, said Tiffany, as the loom clacked behind her and Daft Woolly began to pull a grubby, rolled-up envelope from his spog. It's from that wee heap of jobbies at the castle back home, Rob went on as his brother hauled. He says he bides fine and hopes you do likewise, and he's looking forward to you being back home soon, and there's lots of stuff about how the sheeps are doing, and such like. No very interesting in my opinion, and he's writ S-W-A-L-K on the bottom, but we have no worked out what that means yet. You read my letter, said Tiffany in horror. Why, said Rob with pride, nay problem. Billy Bigchin here gives me a wee hint with some of the longer words, but it was mostly me, I. He beamed, but the grin faded as he watched Tiffany's expression. 
Ah, I ken you're a wee bitty upset that we opened yon envelope thingy, he explained. But that's okay, cause we glued it up again with slug. You wouldn't ever know it had been read. He coughed, because Tiffany was still glaring at him. All women were a bit scary to the feagles, and witches were the worst. At last, when he was really nervous, Tiffany said, How did you know where that letter would be? She glanced sideways at Daft Woolly. He was chewing the edge of his kilt. He only ever did this when he was frightened. Eh, would you accept a wee bitty lie? Rob said. No. It's interesting. There's dragons and unicorns in it. No, I want the truth. Ach, it's so boring. We go to the Baron's castle and read the letters you sent him, and, and, and you said the postman knows to leave letters to you in the hollow tree by the waterfall, said Rob. If the wintersmith had got into the cottage, the air couldn't have been any colder. He keeps the letters for ye in a box under his, Rob began, and then shut his eyes as Tiffany's patience parted with a twang even louder than Miss Treason's strange cobwebs. Don't you know it's wrong to read other people's letters? she demanded. Er, uh, Rob anybody began. And you broke into the Baron's cast. Ah, 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 no, 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 said Rob, jumping up and down. You cannot get us on that one. We just walked in through one of them little wee slits for the firing of the arrows. And then you read my personal letters sent personally to Roland, said Tiffany. They were personal. Why, said Rob anybody. But dinna fash yourself. We will not tell anyone what was in them. We ne'er tell a soul what's in your diary after all, said Daftwoolly. Not in the bits with the flowers you draw around them. Miss Treason is grinning to herself behind me, Tiffany thought. I just know she is. But she'd run out of nasty tones of voice. You did that after talking to the Feagles for any length of time. You were their Kelder, her second thoughts reminded her. They think they have a solemn duty to protect you. It doesn't matter what you think. They're going to make your life so complicated. Don't read my letters, she said. And don't read my diary either. Okay, said Rob anybody. Promise? Oh, aye. But you promised last time. Oh, aye. Cross your heart and hope to die? Oh, aye, nay problemo. And that's the promise of an untrustworthy, lying, stealing feagle, is it? said Miss Treason. Because you believe your deed already, do you know? That's what your people think, right? Oh, aye, mistress, said Rob Anybody. Thank you for drawing my attention to that. In fact, Rob Anybody, you had no intention of keeping any promise at all. Aye, mistress, said Rob proudly. Not pure wee weak promises like that, because, you see, tis our solemn destiny to guard the big wee hag. We must lead do no lies for her if it comes to it. How can you do that when you're deed already? said Miss Treason sharply. That's a bit of a puzzler, right enough, said Rob. So probably we'll lay doon the lives of any scunners who do wrong by her. Tiffany gave up and sighed. I'm almost thirteen, she said. I can look after myself. Hark at Miss Self-Reliant, said Miss Treason, but not in a particularly nasty way. Against the winter, Smith. What does he want? said Tiffany. I told you. Perhaps he wants to find out what kind of girl was so forward as to dance with him, said Miss Treason. It was my feet. I said I didn't mean to. Miss Treason turned around in her chair. How many eyes is she using? Tiffany's second thoughts wondered. The feagles? The ravens? The mice? All of them? How many of me is she seeing? Is she watching me with mice or insects with dozens of glittery eyes? Oh, that's all right, then. 
muttered Miss Treason. Once again you didn't mean it. A witch takes responsibility. Have you learned nothing, child? Child. That was a terrible thing to say to anyone who was almost thirteen. Tiffany felt herself going red again. The horrible hotness spread inside her head. That was why she walked across the room, opened the front door, and stepped outside. A fluffy snow was falling very gently. When Tiffany looked into the pale grey sky, she saw the flakes drifting down in soft, feathery clusters. It was the kind of snow that people back home on the chalk called Granny Aching Shearing Her Sheep. Tiffany felt the flakes melting on her hair as she walked away from the cottage. Miss Treason was shouting from the doorway, but she walked on, letting the snow cool her blushes. Of course, this is stupid, she told herself, but being a witch is stupid. Why do we do it? It's hard work for not much reward. What's a good day for Miss Treason, when someone brings her a second-hand pair of old boots that fit properly? What does she know about anything? Where is the wintersmith, then? Is he here? I've only got Miss Treason's word for it, that and a made-up picture in a book. Wintersmith, she shouted. You could hear the snow falling. It made a strange little noise, like a faint, cold sizzle. Wintersmith! There was no reply. Well, what had she expected? A big booming voice? Mr. Spikey, the icicle man? There was nothing but the softness of white snow falling patiently among dark trees. She felt a bit silly now, but satisfied too. This was what a witch did. She faced what she was afraid of, and then it held no more fear. She was good at this. She turned and saw the wintersmith. Remember this, said her third thoughts, cutting in. Every little detail is important. The wintersmith was nothing, but the snow outlined him. It flowed around him in lines, as if travelling on an invisible skin. He was just a shape, and nothing more, except perhaps for two tiny, pale, purple-grey dots in the air, where you might expect to find eyes. Tiffany stood still, her mind frozen, her body waiting to be told what to do. The hand made of falling snow was reaching toward her now, but very slowly, as you would reach out toward an animal you do not want to frighten. There was something, some strange sense of things unsaid because there was no voice to say them, a sense of striving, as if the thing were putting heart and soul into this moment, even if it did not know the meaning of heart or soul. The hand stopped about a foot away from her. It was formed into a fist, and now it's turned over and the fingers opened. Something gleamed. It was the white horse made of silver on a fine silver chain. Tiffany's hand flew to her throat, but she'd had it on last night, before she went to watch the dance. It must have come off, and he'd found it. That's interesting, said her third thoughts, that busied themselves with the world in their own way. You can't see what's hidden inside an invisible fist. How does that work? And why are those little purple-grey blurs in the air where you'd expect to find eyes? Why aren't they invisible? That's third thoughts for you. When a huge rock is going to land on your head, they're the thoughts that think, is that an igneous rock such as granite, or is it sandstone? That part of Tiffany's brain that was a little less precise at the moment watched the silver horse dangle on its chain. Her first thought was, take it. Her second thought was, don't take it, it's a trap. Her third thought was, really don't take it, it will be colder than you can imagine. And then the rest of her overruled the thoughts entirely and said, take it, it's part of who you are, take it. 
When you hold it, you think of home. Take it. She held out her right hand. The horse dropped into it. Instinctively, she closed her fingers over it. It was, indeed, colder than she could have imagined, and it burned. She screamed. The wintersmith's snowy outline became a flurry of flakes. The snow around her feet erupted with a cry of crivens as a mass of feagles grabbed her feet and carried her upright across the clearing and back in through the cottage's doorway. Tiffany forced her hand open and with trembling fingers pulled the silver horse off her palm. It left a perfect print, a white horse on pink flesh. It wasn't a burn, it was a freeze. Miss Treason's chair rumbled around on its wheels. Come here, child, she ordered. Still clasping her hand, trying to force back the tears, Tiffany walked over to her. Stand right here by my chair this instant. Tiffany did so. This was no time to be disobedient. I wish to look in your ear, said Miss Treason. Brush your hair aside. Tiffany held back her hair and winced when she heard the tickle of mouse whiskers. Then the creature was taken away. Ah, I am surprised, said Miss Treason. I can see nothing. Um, what were you expecting to see? Tiffany ventured. Daylight, snapped Miss Treason, so loudly that the mouse scuttled away. Have you no brains at all, child? I don't know if anyone is interested, said Rob anybody, but I think young Wintersmith has off-skied, and it stopped snowing. No one was listening. When witches row, they concentrate. It was mine. A trinket. No. Of course, this may not be the best time to tell you. Rob went on miserably. You think you need it to be a witch? Yes. A witch needs no devices. You've used shambles. Used, yes. Don't need, not need. I mean, it's quite melting away, Rob said, smiling nervously. Anger grabbed Tiffany's tongue. How dare this stupid old crone talk about not needing things? Boffo, she shouted. Boffo, boffo, boffo. Silence slammed down. After a while, Miss Treason looked past Tiffany and said, "'Ya wee feagle schemies, get out of here, eat nay. I'll ken it if you don't. This is hag business.' The room filled with a sort of whooshing noise, and the door to the kitchen slammed shut. "'So,' said Miss Treason, "'you know about Boffo, do you?' "'Yes,' said Tiffany, breathing heavily. "'I do.' "'Very well. And have you told anyone?' Miss Treason paused and raised a finger to her lips. Then she banged a stick on the floor. I said, get out, you scudders. Off into the woods, will you? Check that he's really gang awa. I'll see your guilt through your own rain if you defy me. From below there was the sound of a lot of potatoes rumbling as the feagles scrambled out through the little ventilation grill. Now they've gone, said Miss Treason. They'll stay gone, too. Boffall will see to that. Somehow, in the space of a few seconds, Miss Treason had become more human and a lot less scary. Well slightly less scary. How did you find out? Did you go looking for it? Did you go prowling and rummaging? said Miss Treason. No, I'm not like that. I found out by accident one day when you were having a nap. Tiffany rubbed her hand. Does that hurt a lot? said Miss Treason, leaning forward. She might be blind, but, like all the senior witches who knew what they were doing, she noticed everything. No, not now. It did, though. Look, I— Then you will learn to listen. Do you think the wintersmith has gone? He just seemed to vanish. I mean, vanish even more. I think he just wanted to give me back my necklace. Do you think that is the sort of thing the spirit of winter, who commands the blizzard and the frost, would really do? 
I don't know Miss Treason. He's the only one I've ever met. You danced with him. I didn't know I was going to. Nevertheless. Tiffany waited and then said, Nevertheless what? Just general neverthelessness. The little horse led him to you, but he's not here now. You're right about that. I'd know if he was. Tiffany walked up to the front door, hesitated for just a moment, and then opened it and went out into the clearing. There was a bit of snow here and there, but the day was turning into just another one of those grey-skied winter days. I'd know if he was too, she thought, and he isn't. And her second thought said, Oh, how do you know? We've both touched the horse, she said under her breath. She looked around at the empty branches and the sleeping trees, fiddling with the silver chain in her hand. The forests were curling in on themselves, ready for the winter. He's out there, but not close. He must be very busy, with a whole winter to make. She said, thank you, automatically, because her mother had always said that politeness costs nothing, and went back in. It was very hot inside now, but Miss Treason always had a huge log pile built by the secret of Boffo. The local woodcutters always kept the pile high. A chilly witch might get nasty. I should like a cup of black tea said the old woman as Tiffany walked in, looking thoughtful. She waited until Tiffany was washing out the cup, then said, Have you heard the stories about me, child? The voice was kindly. There had been shouts, there had been things said that might have been better put, there had been temper and defiance. But they were there together, with nowhere else to go. The quiet voice was a peace offering, and Tiffany was glad of it. Uh, that you have a demon in the cellar? Tiffany answered, her mind still full of puzzles. And you eat spiders? and get visited by kings and princes, and that any flower planted in your garden blooms black? Oh, did they say so? said Miss Treason, looking delighted. I haven't heard that last one. How nice! And did you hear that I walk around at night in the dark time of the year, and reward those who've been good citizens with a purse of silver? But if they've been bad, I slit open their bellies with my thumbnail, like this. Tiffany leapt backward as a wrinkled hand twisted her around, and Miss Treason's yellow thumbnail scythed past her stomach. The old one looked terrifying. No, no, I haven't heard that one, she gasped, pressing up against the sink. What? And it was a wonderful story, with real historical antecedents, said Miss Treason, her vicious scowl becoming a smile. And the one about me having a cow's tail? A cow's tail? No, really? How very vexing, said Miss Treason, lowering her finger. I fear the art of storytelling has got into a pretty bad way in these parts. I really shall have to do something. This is just another kind of boffo, right? said Tiffany. She wasn't totally sure. Miss Treason had looked pretty scary with that thumbnail. No wonder girls left so quickly. Ah, you do have a brain after all. Of course it is. Boffo, yes. A good name for it. Boffo indeed. The art of expectations. Show people what they want to see. Show them what they think should be there. I have a reputation to keep up after all. Boffo, Tiffany thought. Boffo, boffo, boffo. She went over to the skulls, picked one up, and read the label underneath, just like she'd done a month ago. Ghastly Skull Number 1, price $2.99, The Boffo Novelty and Joke Shop, Number 4, 10th Egg Street, Ank Morpork. If it's a laugh, it's a boffo. Very lifelike, aren't they? said Miss Treason, clicking back to her chair. If you can say that about a skull, of course. The shop sold a wonderful machine for making spider webs. You poured in this sticky stuff, do you see? and with practice quite good webs could be made. Can't abide creepy crawlies, but of course I've got to have the webs. Did you notice the dead flies? Yes, said Tiffany, glancing up. They're raisins. 
I thought you had vegetarian spiders. Well done. Nothing wrong with your eyes, at least. I got my hat from there, too. Wicked old witch number three. A must for scary parties, I think it was. I've still got their catalogue somewhere, if you're interested. Do all witches buy from Boffo? asked Tiffany. Only me, at least around here. Oh, and I believe old Mistress Breathless over in Two Falls used to buy warts from there. But why? said Tiffany. She couldn't grow them. Just couldn't grow them at all, poor woman. Tried everything. Face like a baby's bottom her whole life. No, I meant, why do you want to seem so... Tiffany hesitated and then went on. Awful. I have my reasons, said Miss Treason. But you don't do those things the stories say you do, do you? Kings and princes don't come to consult you, do they? No, but they might, said Miss Treason stoutly. If they got lost, for example. No, I know all about those stories. I made up most of them. You made up stories about yourself? Oh, yes, of course, why not? I couldn't leave something as important as that to amateurs. But people say you can see a man's soul, Miss Treason chuckled. Yes, didn't make that one up. But I'll tell you, for some of my parishioners I'd need a magnifying glass. I see what they see, I hear with their ears. I knew their fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers. I know the rumours and the secrets and the stories and the truths. And I am justice to them, and I am fair. Look at me. See me. Tiffany looked, and looked past the black cloak and the skulls and the rubber cobwebs and the black flowers and the blindfold and the stories, and saw a little deaf and blind old lady. Boffo made the difference. Not just the silly party stuff, but Boffo thinking, the rumours and the stories. Miss Treason had power because people thought she did. It was like the standard witch's hat, but Miss Treason was taking Boffo much, much further. A witch needs no devices, Miss Treason, Tiffany said. Don't get smart with me, child. Didn't the girl Weatherwax tell you all this? Oh, yes, you don't need a wand or a shamble or even a pointy hat to be a witch. But it helps a witch to put on a show. People expect it. They'll believe in you. I didn't get where I am today by wearing a woolly bobble hat and a gingham apron. I look the part. I... There was a crash from outside in the direction of the dairy. Our little blue friends, said Miss Treason, raising her eyebrows. No, they're absolutely forbidden to go into any dairy I work in, Tiffany began, heading for the door. Oh dear, I hope it's not Horace. I told you he'd been nothing but trouble, did I not? Miss Treason shouted as Tiffany hurried away. It was Horace. He'd squeezed out of his cage again. He could make himself quite runny when he wanted to. There was a broken butter dish on the floor, but although it had been full of butter, there was none there now. There was just a greasy patch. And from the darkness under the sink, there came a sort of high-speed grumbling noise, a kind of... Oh, you're after butter now, are you, Horace? said Tiffany, picking up the dairy broom. That's practically cannibalism, you know. Still, it was better than mice, she had to admit. Finding little piles of mouse bones on the floor was a bit distressing. Even Miss Treason had not been able to work that one out. A mouse she happened to be looking through would be trying to get at the cheeses, and then it would all go dark. That was because Horace was a cheese.